This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends. And today we are joined by a legend in the game, Lee Jones. What's poppin', Lee? Oh, we gotta get Lee a microphone. Oh, <laughs> 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 Hello. Well done, sir. Blame Wapo. Okay. Who's running this bit. There we go. <laughs> who's, it, who's in charge here? Um, it, we go back and forth every day. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, I just wanted to like start with first thanking you guys and congratulating you on everything you're doing. Oh, thanks. It's just like it's so cool to see you bringing such positive, I will not say positivity, but positive energy and, and you know, it's a grind what you're doing and I know it and I don't know that people really appreciate it. So cool that y'all are doing this and you're bringing all these cool people in. We and, appreciate that. And you're highlighting all the good stuff that's going on. And I mean, obviously pointing out the, the, the problems as well, but I, I think that, what y'all are doing is amazing for poker, and I'm just like super proud to be on. We appreciate that a lot. We show, you. you know, we show up day in day out, and it's it's hard. It's a learning experience for sure. Yeah, you know. And then I guess uh, we talked about it earlier in the car. People that get on the mic realize what it's like to be on the mic. It's not so easy. Not so easy. <laughs> sometimes words blend together. Sometimes you Wait. know you miss a segue here or there. Sometimes. Are you talking about theory conspiracies? <laughs> <laughs> you know i was dying in the shower i thought about it when i was taking the shower i was like what the fuck did i say the said, fact that you were able to repeat it so so fluently is, said, is terrifying said, well because i said it three times in the shower this morning i was like there is he conspiracy conspiracy theories there is he conspiracy. where the fuck did i do that <laughs> honestly i think you just wanted to get it to a point where it sounded completely like un unintelligible did you know that there's a word for combining two words? I did. Somebody, uh, only because I'm so guilty of it. Mm -hmm. I do it so frequently. And Andy. somebody told me what it is, but well, I don't no, recall what it you, is. If you swap two words. No, no, I, so. That's a spoonerism. If you swap, oh, wow. if you interchange them is a spoonerism. Yes. Okay. And there's some really hysterical ones that just come up. Okay. But if you just basically combine two words. It's right. Portmanteau. Okay, so the portmento is what I'm most guilty of, and somebody told me about recently on Twitter. Uh, for the longest time, maybe a decade plus, I, <laughs> I'm going to forget it now because I've trained it out of my brain, but uh, I would combine disparity and disparage and come up with disparagey. <laughs> what did it mean? It meant disparity. Okay. But... But uh, I, I refuse to acknowledge that that word was a thing because I okay. liked my new word. Okay. <laughs> Which I, I don't even know why I felt the need to combine the two, but I was there for it. And for, it, it, was, it was one of those things where it's like, um, there's a How I Met Your Mother episode where they, they talk about everybody's blind spots. Okay. And the second that everyone becomes aware of it, 
it's like glass shattering. Like you're like, oh my god, you do do that all the time. Like it's unbearable. Uh, and in the episode, like um, the the one was a loud chewer, and another one was uh, always correcting somebody's uh, speech or whatever. And that was one of those blind spots for me that whenever somebody was like, "Do you mean disparity?" And I'm like, I do. Now that I, you mention it, I do yes, mean I, disparity, that's what I mean. Which apparently I didn't even realize was a word until this very second. <laughs> <laughs> so is a Freudian slip when you just completely change the word? Freudian slip is when you make a sexual innuendo out of... Anything. anything like, oh, and it has to be sexual. Yeah. Yeah, because Freud... Fro yeah, Freud that was basically, whole Freud's that, thing. Yeah, that like, everything was about ultimately about sex. Okay. More specifically, sex with your parents. Oh. Uh, he he was real big into uh, the the mother father complex. Although he did also say sometimes a cigar is just yeah. Well, I mean, at some point you have to walk it back, right? Right. You know, you can only talk about <laughs> dreaming about your parents naked for so long before you're just like, okay, this one phallic thing is just fine. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, How did we get there? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the five. Welcome to the tangents. Uh, who were we saying was going to keep us off tangents? It wasn't Lee, was it? No. <laughs> okay. No, who was it? it wasn't any of us. No, you should have. No, it Chauncey. was Kev Math. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we said we we're going to have Kev yes, Math in just yes. to keep us from tangenting. Kev Math's the arbiter of tangents. Mm. Another shot. Speaking of people that are really doing it for poker, here's a shout out to Kev Math. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a. Uh, you know, it's kind of ironic, and this this is no slight at any of the the longstanding traditional media sources in the space. But when you look at the the people who have kind of been elevated to uh, an authoritative position in, in this industry from the media standpoint, they're all independent. You look at the Ingrams, the Kev Maths, uh, you know, Polk to some degree, the vloggers, us. People who are coming to their to get their news from like you know members of the community much more so than uh an actual corporate entity which is very strange well and i mean to be fair that's how we got 2016 right yeah so <laughs> yeah uh, i mean that, that yeah that's not to say that's a good thing right? right that everybody can be the news yeah right well yeah it's weird. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword because I do see it kind of like as a free market uh, taking some sort of corrective action. Even when you're talking about traditional mainstream media, right? Like, uh, I, I personally don't really follow much in the way of political landscape. And uh, Brian, I wish he was here because, like, he's, he's religious too. But uh, he watches an independent YouTube show. I think it's called, like something Turks or the young Turks, the young Turks. Yeah. Yeah. Very progressive. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, that's taken over CNN for him. Right. And they seem to be like wildly popular. Uh, I think the challenge is that they're the only thing that holds them to a journalistic integrity is themselves. Exactly. And that's, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Is that, but I mean, that's kind of the nature of the free press. Right. This is the only thing that you can rely. It's because there's no arbiter. Mm -hmm. Then the only thing that you can count on is the organization. What, I mean, whether it's the, the Washington Post or CNN or whomever else, like all you can count on is those people being true to their journalistic beliefs. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the challenge, both for traditional uh, mainstream media in the past and, you know, whatever we want to call this new wave like for us, we're a podcast. Sure, we deliver things that 
um, you know, maybe newsworthy. And we del deliver other things that like we believe to be true, but are largely based in speculation or opinion or whatever. Um, Most but, of the time speculation. Sure. But like we're, we're not, you know, we're not some major news outlet with a ton of resources available to us where we're doing uh, journalistic uh deep dives and you know, fact checking and all that yeah yeah so it's sure. it's difficult and instead it, we have me right wait <laughs> it's almost worse we have conrad and wikipedia <laughs> that's almost worse um we don't use wikipedia so, okay. so that that, that kind of like makes it a challenge because like for from our vantage point it's like well we want to be entertaining not not like necessarily right. a news outlet uh and i know like norman chad had reached out to us a few times and basically said you know, the the way that you guys approach some things without proper due diligence or getting both sides of a story, it's not following proper journalistic integrity. And it's like, I, I mean, I understand where he's coming from because he's classically trained. And from his vantage point, it's like, well, you have this platform, so you basically are the news whether you want to be or not. And it's like, fuck, we didn't intend that. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be an investigative reporter. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm happy to get my my hands dirty whenever necessary, whenever it comes to like a cheating scandal or, or whatever the case may be. But I just want to be able to speak my opinion. That's the beauty of podcasts, right? Right. That's what uh, propped Joe Rogan up. It's what allowed Tim Ferriss to become this this major outlet for people who are trying to optimize and like that's the world I want to live in. Is like right. just a massive disclaimer of like, hey this is just what we think like this is yeah. not necessarily uh gonna be ran through snopes or, or no I, I get it but i mean to to norman's point um it, it's an awkward situation because i mean it is really true that one day you wake up and people are getting their news from you and now it's like, okay, do you have any kind of journalistic obligation? And I, I totally agree. I mean, you said, hey, we're a podcast. We never said that we were the news. Yeah. So please don't treat it. It's like the vlogger saying, um, I'm not here to teach you poker. Right. Okay. Right. But I'm actually on Norman's side. Uh, and I took it to heart. Like, I tried to cross every T and dot every I. It's just, you know, there's only so much you can do. Right. Exactly. But and his point's very valid. Like, we had 175,000 views on our... <laughs> Uh, first video on the the Robbie J. Lou thing. Yeah. So it's like, what? You know, I doubt Poker News had 170 thousand clicks on anything. Right. You know, so it, it's kind of unfortunate, and we could create these layers where uh, we're the mouthpieces, and the people doing the hard work are the the actual media sources, the Poker News, the Poker dot orgs, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I don't I don't think that the the monetary incentive aligns. Nope. So it's kind of unfortunate. Now here we are, just the wild, wild west. It's weird that as technology advances, a lot of the systems that were created regress. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Um. And, and this is true at the the mainstream media level too. We we see that. Could you ever imagine in your lifetime that the New York Times was going to become a joke? In in regards to like the way people look at the credibility and uh its ability to report the the news and i'm pulling them as one example they're one of many you you can look at the washington post a bunch of others and it's not even that they're not doing their job it's just like i know when the i don't pay attention to that stuff really at all but when the ftx stuff broke and there was you know all of this all of these allegations and seemingly paper trail aligned with um uh sam bankman freed being tied into the New York Times and basically being able to control the messaging in some way, it's like, okay, well, right. 
who do we trust then? Yeah. Right? There's nothing independent any longer. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that gets us here. <laughs> now, now we just shoot the shit and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, it was the Conrad's fault. He was supposed to do the research. <laughs> you know, whatever. I think, I, think that's, I think that's the ultimate conclusion. Is everybody should just have a fall guy. <laughs> just internally hire a fall guy. And then you wash your hands of it. It's like, oh, misreported? Fucking Conrad, man. <laughs> you know? One of these days he's going to get fired. You're never getting fired, buddy. Don't worry about it. Not till the tab's paid off. Uh, <laughs> two, point. two lifetimes at this point. Maybe three. <laughs> Maybe three. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you are into now. Well, first, I guess, let me give a brief history. This is not your first time on here, so uh, hopefully some of the audience is at least familiar. But let me give a brief, brief history of uh, your major relevance to poker, which was you were the first poker room manager at Stars. Is that correct? True story. Yeah, so that was obviously uh, a bigger deal than anybody in this room will remember because they were in the womb. <laughs> um, Landon, how old are you? What year? How old are you? 23. 24. Ooh, he's aged. Oh my God. You were like four when I went yeah. to for poker. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were four when I made my first uh, full year as a professional. <laughs> Man. I'm sorry, pray continue. That's so crazy to me. <laughs> Here we are now. Here we are now. Uh, Still hating it. <laughs> so yeah, Stars, Stars obviously uh, wasn't the first to market, but they very quickly captured major market share uh, after UGEIA. Is that right? Well, okay. So the thing that really catapulted Poker Stars was that they had um, that Isai and his Russian programmers in Toronto it figured out multi-table tournaments. Mm. And Paradise and... Um, Party. Party. And there was Poker Spot and there was... Um, I can't remember the other ones. But they had not figured out multi-table tournaments. And they were doing essentially sit-and-goes. Yeah. And when Isai and his crew figured out multi-table tournaments, now you had bigger tournaments, bigger fields, bigger prize pools. Yeah. And that just... You know, that really got them. Yeah, it's funny. I started playing online in 2003. Uh, and it's really hard for me to remember what the original party poker lobby looked like. I, I was playing $5 sit and go. So like, I don't really remember. But I don't feel like it was long after that I was playing MTTs on there. Maybe. Well, I mean, I, I think that once once the MTT problem was solved in one place. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. like, oh, okay, one, this problem is somehow tractable because they did it. Right. And two, their um, uh, USP, unique selling point, mm -hmm. is just humongous. And so right, it's like, right. if you didn't have MTTs, like you were essentially, it was just a question of when you were done. Yeah, we saw that with a lot of different uh, online poker inventions throughout the years, um, fast fold or rush poker right, on exactly. full tilt. Yeah, I think I, I think full tilt was first to market with rush. Y yes, and then stars uh, created Zoom. Right, um, same thing with reentry. Uh, and, and by the way, I remember when full tilt created rush, and it was all hands on deck at Poker Start. Yeah, to create fast fold for that very reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Um, it was a. It was a. Awesome format when it first originated. Now it's probably a dead one or a dying one just because uh, the strategy can be 
kind of so perfectly implemented. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Stars was a huge, huge mover in the pre-Black Friday days. And honestly, kind of the only survivor whenever you look at post. Party's still around, but they had two like major events that really kind of crippled their market share. The, the first being the decision to leave America after the UGIA because they were publicly traded. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then the second being uh, Black Friday, of course, which uh, the whole reason they chose to leave America to begin with was so that they could come back into the American market legally due to being a publicly traded company and like, you know, making good with the government, et cetera, et cetera. They made their way back, but like in kind of smallish fashion. I think they're only in New Jersey. Also in Michigan. Okay, so they're all in the independent markets. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure if they're in Pennsylvania. Not in any of the shared pools. How do you know that? What do you mean? Like Wikipedia. The part the <laughs> the party is in Michigan. Because right? our roommate Corey goes to Michigan and dominates those streets. Yep. Oh, sure. okay. There you go. He just kind of goes there to collect five figures and comes back. Yeah. It's, it's a nice trip life. home. That's it's a good life. That's one way to make your living. So is it shared between Michigan and New Jersey? Yes. Okay. They, um, That's right. They shared liquidity like the first of the year, I want to say. Right. Oh, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but not here yet, which I was God. unaware of. I know. I wish we could get Michigan already. Well, Corey doesn't. Mm. Well, so the thing is, Michigan is still isolated for WSOP. Yeah. Um, or yes. with Jersey, uh, right? No, Michigan is isolated Just for WSOP. Everybody's isolated for WSOP except for New Jersey and Nevada. Yeah. Um, I believe like, Party is also... Um, I think they are mixed with New Jersey now also. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. Michigan. Yeah, yeah, because they don't exist here. Yeah. So if Party ever opened here, they, they, they were supposed to open... Nine years ago? Well, like two years ago. Like uh, I think it was like May during COVID, and then COVID set it back. And I think they were supposed to open the following year had more setbacks um they, but honestly this market's so small they need a hosting casino right like a live uh, venue i think they do yes yeah, so I mean, everybody I jersey does so yeah. i don't know if yeah they, the same they do but i thought they had ties with someone who, who are they tied with they're tied with brigada and yeah they're mgm right yeah yeah they're yeah, MGM. yeah yeah they're mgm so um, they just can so, do it but haven't yet correct um but sure. i understand dragging your feet a bit in nevada because the market's small so like getting to launch isn't as big of a deal as upkeeping. Yeah, I what think you that's why. I think that's why PokerStars never came into Nevada. Because, I thought it was a licensing well, issue. No, well, we had a we. They basically there was a, a a bill in Nevada that basically was like might as well be the anti PokerStars in Nevada bill. It's called the bad uh, bad actor. Bad yeah, but yeah. it was essentially written in such a way <laughs> to essentially laser target PokerStars. Gotcha. But then there was essentially there was a penalty box period, but that penalty box period is well over. Okay. But I guess PokerStars just decided just wasn't even worth the trouble for the market here. I know that they're pouring a lot of resources into California, as is WSOP and everybody else at this point. I, I was part of the PokerStars effort in poker in California in 2016, 2017. Wow. Imagine about. having shared liquidity with California. Imagine California. <laughs> California has more people than all of Canada, I believe. From yeah. what I understand, the, the major holdup is uh, twofold. One, uh, they don't have gaming jurisdiction, so they need someone like Nevada to come in and oversee it. 
but they don't want to share the liquidity because they don't want any of the money leaving California. (laughs) They're broke. (laughs) The big trouble in California is the the tribes have enormous power. Yeah, yeah over all gaming in California. That's kind of the same in New York too, right? And well, I don't know New York. I just know that in California, because I was part of a whole team that was out here in Sac, we were in Sacramento two or three times mm-hmm. trying to persuade, trying to get bills passed. Is, uh, this is a bit of a side, but uh, is- Wait a Thund- are we doing a tangent? Yeah. <laughs> just checking. Is, is Thunder Valley a full casino? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what about what about Northern California is so different than Southern California? Because like Hustler, Bike, no, but I mean these places there, there aren't are full there are casinos. full casinos in Southern California, Barona, um, Morongo. Okay, so they're all tribal. They're all tribal, and, and then these they're, other places are card rooms that are opened under a different sort of under set of rules. the California Card Club. Okay, or why are they something? Why are they allowed to have like baccarat then? Because it's a card game, I think. Who? Um, like like the bike. Yeah. Okay. So, can we do a tangent on California Please. gaming law? Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> um, so, California does not permit house-banked games. Right. Oh, yeah. So, if you're playing blackjack here, it's your money against, you know, Caesar's money. Mm-hmm. But California specifically doesn't mention that, and that's why California's had poker for so long. Mm-hmm. Because it's all the players playing against each other. That's also why they couldn't police the possible situation uh, when it came to cheating. Because the only thing that they can oversee is if the if the house is doing something, they don't care about player versus player. Okay, all right. So the games that you see that are in like the bike and hustler and places like that are what are called California games. Um, as a as a matter of practice, it's you see basically nothing but Asians playing them. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is is that they are in theory being player banked. Right. Well, there's one person in particular who started a business who does this. It's, uh, there's, they're it's, called a corporation. And, yeah. And it's, I mean, that person's income must just be completely unimaginable. He's, uh, he's <laughs> actually the owner of Champions Club in Texas. Oh, uh, really? It's Stanley. Man, I, I'm, I, I'm mad How? at myself for not remembering, remembering his last name. I keep wanting to say Choi, and obviously that's not correct. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so... Basically, he's been he's been player banking for years. He created a a business or a corporation around it. Goes through all the Southern California card rooms. Well, he's in the Northern California card rooms too, and you mm. see the guys or, or gals sitting at the table with just tens of thousands of dollars in front of them. Yeah, and they're basically going to bank any action. Oh my god! I never realized this. This is the reason why I never put two and two together. But that makes so. And much they make sense. They, they and make the small, banker has an edge. It, yeah, they make a small amount on the edge, right? Yeah, and in theory, any other player can say, oh, I want to be the banker now. Mm-hmm. But then they, there's a minimum that they have to put up or whatever. But I mean, players playing those California games are just getting wiped out because not only are, do they have the edge, are they up against the edge that the banker has, but they pay a fee to the house. Right. So it's just, I mean, it's just a, a money siphon. Wow. California gets you in every way. California does get you in every way. But (laughs) the point, I mean, but anyway, that's the reason that there's not, they haven't been able to get online poker in California is because the tribes have such control over the the whole gaming thing. Mm -hmm. And basically they said, if if there's going to be online gaming, we're in charge of it. But 
you know, they have zero background in it. And, and they basically say, we want complete, absolute control. And we want pretty much all the money. And then the other player, <coughs> excuse me, in there is the racetracks. And the racetracks are basically dead, but somehow they still punch above their weight class in power. And so they're like, there was one bill that I saw that was, I don't remember the details, but it was something on the order of 9% of all online poker revenue was going to be sent to the racetracks. What? <laughs> and I mean, that was one of the bills. And it was like, like why though? Because political power. Interesting. And, and so obviously that was a non-starter. And so I, I honestly don't expect to see online poker in California in my lifetime. Yeah, I, I kind of the same. I, I know a few people who are uh, kind of behind the scenes and dealing a little bit with the lobbyists. Um, it, it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound promising. Uh, I know why I wanted to say Stanley Choi because it's actually Roy Choi who, <laughs> who owns the company. Okay. So there we go. There's me taking two things and smashing them together per usual. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously that would be the biggest win that I think we would we would see in the United States because I imagine that nationwide liquidity would then come quickly after. Oh my God, if California got online, that would that would be it. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Uh, honestly, there's a whole other uh, uh, side to this too that isn't going to matter. It's not going to have anything to do with the lobbying. It's not going to have anything to do with legalization or anything along those lines. But online poker is at this at this tipping point where... Tools are getting very advanced. Yeah. Technology is moving very rapidly. And for a new market like that to emerge, I mean, granted, you know, the United States market still exists. It's just kind of a blackish grayish market. But for it to emerge in uh, an uh, oversight, or sorry, an overseen um, sort of way where the government has their hands involved, I would hope that we would see some security upgrades. But the problem is, is I think that even like Nevada gaming is so antiquated they're not really prepped to oversee something like this. I, I don't know exactly what the, the, the rules and laws and regulations are in place for someone like WSOP.com to operate or, or others in this space, but I can't imagine. I mean, you know, we just recently found out that Ali's not banned on there. That's just sheerly insane. You know, this guy, there's clear proof with a partner nonetheless. Like, they're partnered with GG Poker, who is the one who caught him and blacklisted him to begin with. It's like, for those two to not communicate... And get them out. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, I mean, that's one of the problems that we're facing with online poker right now, like California, anywhere else, is that the tools are getting faster and better. And realistically, at some point, I mean, we used to say this back in the Poker Stars days. It's like, okay, it, ultimately, it's the internet. And you just can't really know who's on the other end of the on the other end of the wire, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to the tool argument, which is fair, there's also just been hard sharing for so long, for so yeah. many years, for sure. That's so true. there's always been issues and problems with online gaming. It's just a matter of if it's still worth it. And from a company perspective, I'm sure it's just, if they can generate enough rake and make money off of it, why wouldn't they do it? Where they're kind of incentivized to have that sort of approach, less so the longevity standpoint of it all i think we'll see it come full circle where when it was the wild wild west back in the early 2000s you saw uh casinos and sports books more, more so sports books than anything else attached to every single online 
poker room with the exception of the majors. Right. Uh, and I think we'll get back to that. I think at some point, not anytime soon, but somewhere down the line, DraftKings, FanDuel, these are going to be the biggest players in the space. Yeah. It's just a multi-billion dollar industry. Oh, yeah. I they mean, just have too much money. Sp- sports betting just dwarfs right. poker. I, right. And, and the first person to figure out a way to combine the two is just going to have the biggest room. As in like... DraftKings has a poker site. Yes. Like DraftKings.poker yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. already in, they, they it's already already have in the works. Yeah, yeah, they already have one oh, yeah. in beta. Like all that stuff is already in the works. They're going to be the biggest players there are. Because... Yeah, instead of poker. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on, go on. I just going to say instead of poker play, poker sites having this little, you know, sports book off on the side, it's going to be the other way around. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they might just have like the DraftKings poker championship or whatever and then have their own stuff going on. And then uh, There's a lot that they could do too to combine like daily fantasy with uh, online MTTs. Yeah, you, know, you kind of can all, like draft people, use All you would have to do is incentivize people to sign up days in advance so that they could create the player pool. Right. And then from there, you know, you just get to do your drafts. Uh, and you could even do it in a way where it's like buying at markup, right? Mm. Like it's, it's, it's truly like the exact same thing. You create a free market where people are actually selling and you can buy pieces of them. And then those prices get imported into a daily fantasy type of pool. It all sounds so nice in theory, but then in practice, when it comes to the buying people and then they're now incentivized to like cheat. Cheat how? Card sharing. Wait, why, why are they more incentivized than before? From an online standpoint? Well, or just you mean in, live? I'm just saying, why are they more incentivized than they otherwise would be? Well, I guess there's more money then, right? Because now you can just like win a, DF, like a DFS pool where you just pick you and your friends and you all just like share cards. Um, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, if it's live, it's not that big of a deal, right? Yeah, if it's right, for like yeah. WSOP, if it's for like a WPT and you want to like make uh, lineups, but yeah. if there's room for people to do bad things on the internet, they're going to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of problems to solve. Is it sure. true that a company called Flutter owns FanDuel and PokerStars? All true. Yep. And they own what po- is Flutter? <laughs> and they own Poker News as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. What is that? I don't know what that is. It is it's Flutter Communications, and it's out of east of England somewhere. I can't think. Wait, did they also buy? Uh, <laughs> did they? Did they also buy the uh, the um, thing that Tony G owned alongside Poker Poker News? The the flashlight. I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, what? I want to know the package <coughs> deal. I have no idea. Tony G, Tony G used to own Poker News and also owned Fleshlight. Based. He is the starter of Fleshlight. I, I don't know if he's the starter, but I think he had like... <laughs> he's an investor. I think he was an investor. I, okay, That's yeah. I, I doubt they're in that. And, and I don't know if you guys would know this, but Flutter is, uh, is it's a British slang for, for betting. Oh, I had no idea. I, I yeah. For some reason, I always confused it with Shutterstock. Like thinking it had something to do with media. <laughs> no, not like I, I didn't actually think it was Shutterstock, yeah, I but I, I, I thought it was like, you know, something to do with media, <sighs> yeah. uh, which made sense to me why they yes, Poker Flutter News. owns PokerStars and Draft, whichever one it uh, is. It's FanDuel. Yeah. FanDuel, yeah. That's interesting. It's already in the works, man. Everything's in yep. the works. Yeah. It's all rolling. Uh, so what are you up to these days at Poker.org? Um, yeah. So I'm writing for Poker.org and, uh, you know, since it's World Series time, uh, we have the um, we have the poker the poker org instant going on, mm-hmm. and and that what that's kind of a cool thing, and I'm excited about it because it's not it's not somebody standing around saying, oh, you know, Landon Tice's pocket nines were beaten by some unknown's queen jack suited. Right. Um, it's more more interesting. It, it's basically like you can follow what's going on. 
at a higher level with more interesting pe people stories and, and, you know, stuff like that. It's a little more personal, it seems. It, I think it is more personal. The one I just saw yesterday was there's this couple, and they're in their 60s, if not 70s, and they're basically on a scavenger hunt to get as many selfies with as many big-name players as they can. <laughs> And, and it's really cute. And apparently scavenger hunts have their own vocabulary and lingo and stuff. And they've adopted all that vocabulary and lingo to, you know, chasing people around. And, and like the guys like, oh, yeah, we have our tent poles. And that's Daniel Negreanu and Josh Aria. And, you know, and it's, it's really cool stuff. It's, yeah, it's personable. It's cool stuff. It seems like there's a lot more, um, like, just stories about, like, just people in the community there. Well, and that's like, to me, that's what poker's all about. And, you know, since Landon's here, I'll just, I'll just like give my little speech about it. It's, it's like, it's just a game, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's a really cool game. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the greatest game there is. Poker? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely <laughs> bad. But it's the people and the stories and, and the history. Because every game has got its people and stories and history. But, like, because poker is, is what it is and because you can make money at it and because it's been so frowned upon in the United States for so long, it has this really sort of seedy past that the people and the stories that come out of it are just absolutely amazing. And so, as far as I'm concerned, the people and stories that we see coming out of the game and that I like to think that Poker Org is chasing around are just much more interesting than, than the actual. I mean, yes, it's interesting that, you know, somebody wins, you know, $25 million or whatever the number is, but I think the, the side stories are often way more interesting. Like the story we did about the guy who's 100 years old in, in Florida. It was at the Moneymaker Tour. Oh, yeah, that was great. Then he, he won, won a side event, right? Yeah. He won a side event, yeah. and, and, like, the people in, at the... Um, the place where we, the dog track where we, where the whole event was, they told me the guy comes in like he plays all the dailies and he'll put a couple of bullets into dailies. And when he busts out of that, like he goes downstairs and plays. Sure. Like, it's like, you know, and I told him, I said, you know, folks, one of these days, that guy's just going to go like face down on the table and that's it. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of prepared for that. But like, what, <laughs> what other, what other way do you want to go? Like, yeah, you know, of course. die doing what you love. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, poker has the underground aura for sure. Just because it is kind of underworld gambling esque. I think that's changing a bit. But, but I was, yeah, so I was going with that is it's now kind of less seen as such, mm. especially when it comes to uh, the exposure and the math and call it people that are consistently winning, proving that they're consistently winners. And I think the same thing's true of sports betting too, which is a huge aid yeah. uh, in poker's image. I guess that's just through algorithmic tools, right? Because well, most no, people, people are, just don't think that it's bookies and street fights and getting your legs broken if you don't pay anymore right? right as in it's just do sports books yeah everything's automated you can do it all online you can bet in the casinos <laughs> well yeah you just don't have to deal with people anymore you don't have you to do deal with, with the, the underground anymore necessarily little right. baby chauncey just wanted to just wanted love he just wants a little Aww. love it, that's actually kind of funny because it's, it's kind of like only the people that are losing don't have to deal with the um Casinos, I mean, like the the gra underground stuff anymore. People mm -hmm. that are winning sports betters, they don't get the bet. At right, the casinos. Right, right. Yeah. They, they have forty six cents limits. Yeah, they have to take on a lot. I more uh, heard from Brewer 
that he's done pretty well on DraftKings and mm. he had a bet that he wanted to put in. The max bet he was allowed to put in was $3.30. Yeah. That's insane. I have a friend that's been betting props and for like strikeouts and he's, he can only bet like 50 cents now. It's only been like six days in or something like that. Yeah. Hey man, they're not a billion dollar industry because they're not sharp. No, it's true. You know, they figure things out it's, pretty quickly. It's pretty sick. What is, like, what is bro doing? He's just hanging, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He's just like, he's oh ass God. out, you know? <laughs> Hot girl summer. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, you know, I heard um, Ed Miller on the um, on Brokus's podcast. Yeah. And like, you know, he went full sports betting. Yeah. And after I heard him, I was like, I'm never making a sports bet again. <laughs> I know, like, I've never made a sports bet, but like if I, if I ever thought I was going to make a sports bet, right? that, you know, he basically was like, the books are totally sharp. Yeah. And the random sports better, you know. Drawing dead. Yeah, just taking a chance, dead. And yeah. we were at the, the dog park and we would watch these guys betting the horses. They are literally betting their birthdays and stuff. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not even about the lack of knowledge with the bet. It's that the sports books are just nickel and diming you to death with the lines. Yeah. Right? Like they're just ensuring that they're making money on both sides and that no matter what bet you put in, you're losing. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, going along the lines of uh, some of these, I guess, interesting human interest stories that you're writing about, I know you're very passionate about uh, getting Esai into the Poker Hall of Fame and we are coming up on nomination time. Yep. He was one of the finalists last year. Uh, uh, among a very star-studded list and it makes me realize how big of a problem we are beginning to come upon as far as the the hall of fame goes so just real quick to run down this list lane fact lane flack actually got the uh the um he got in last year. Yeah, I was going to say nomination. That's right. not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the one who he inducted. Inducted. He inducted. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. I almost said indicted. Oh, God. <laughs> that probably too. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, which, you know, was a feel-good story. He passed away last year. That was who I personally would have voted for if I had the opportunity to. Not because I thought he was the most deserving of the list, but just because I think being able to memorialize somebody who probably is a borderline Hall of Famer anyway yep. uh, is kind of a no-brainer. Um, but this list is, is it's hard to pick, man. And the, the issue is, is that with every passing year, uh, it becomes harder and harder for these people to remain relevant. So they kind of have this very short window to get in, yes. but it's only one person per year. And, and I think that's probably the mistake. In, and we were talking about that before we went on the air. Yeah. That, you know, as you pointed out, when they first started doing this, there, there was like 200 people playing poker. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter that, you know, you pick one person. Yeah, you're well, putting you know, in the 0.5%. Exactly. And that's fine. But now there's, you know, 200 million people playing poker mm. and, and poker is humongous. And there's, you know, tens or maybe even hundreds of people that can reasonably, like I, if forced to, I could probably come up with a list of like, you know, 50 people. Easily. That you would look at and you wouldn't be able to just say, oh, don't be ridiculous. Correct. About any of those people. Correct. Easily. I, I mean, you know, Gelfon is a year away from being eligible. Right. So it's like now once you start to go into that era, like it's just. So this, this, this short list is Josh Arie, Lane Flack, Elkie, Kathy Liebert, Mattisau, Lana Norman uh, as a tandem, Mizraki, Rass, Savage, and Isai. And that was last year. And the, yeah, so this was last year's list, right? Yeah. This is 
this is a really impossible list to even compare and contrast. Like you have Isai, who was an operator. You have Savage, who's probably one of the best, if not the best tournament director of all time. You have Lon and Norman, who are literally the voice of the World Series. <laughs> and nobody has ever made a bigger impact on televised poker, in my opinion. Yep. Um, that's not even getting into the player side of it. Yeah. Right? right, and you can't even compare those three. They're not even the same operator, TD, announcers. Yeah, these guys can't be compared. Right. Then whenever you get into the player side, it's like you look at somebody like Mizraki, and yeah, moving forward, he's probably not going to be a, a super relevant person to the industry. But he had a 15 year span where he was one of the most dominant players right. in all of No Limit Hold'em tournaments. Like he won the Players Championship three, three times. times. Yeah, <laughs> you was know, it three. Yep. Yeah. And then you have Brian Rast, who won it twice and is just like a master at all games. But also, again, uh, took himself against Timex. Right. Yeah. The year he won the PPC, he actually booked like an extra hundred percent of himself against Timex. And then you have one of the best. Just called a shot. He's like, I think I'm underpriced. I'm just going to buy more of myself. <laughs> and then you have one of the best poker dads out there, Jeremy Osmus. What? What? Uh, what are you talking? I was about? adding another one to the list. Okay. <laughs> Connor just wanted a nominee, man. I want to, I want to nominate Jeremy. I didn't know. I didn't know that he that Brian Rest had bet hundred had cross booked hundred percent. I, I don't know if it was hundred percent, but, but, but I, I know it was a big, a cross, big cross book. I didn't know. I mean, because I never thought that Timex ever took the worst of it. <laughs> I mean, I think he had him at face, and Rast was just like, "I'm really fucking good at all these games. Like, this is insulting. I'm just buying way more myself." Fight uh, is a powerful motivator. I remember I was play, we, we were we were playing the Ivy Room game pretty frequently back then, and he was just so confident. I was like, "Man, how could you not bet on this guy right now? This is incredible." Um, but yeah, each of each of these people on the list, like they contribute something very differently. Like Josh Ari is probably one of the greatest gamblers that we've seen in this space in twenty years. Like, is he the best poker player that came through? Probably not, but like right. that can't be the sole criteria. Right. Whenever we have this this vagueness to to who gets nominated, um, and, you know, same thing with Kathy. It's like she's probably one of, if not the greatest female player of all time. And her first WSOP cash was ninety five, right? And she's just still consistently <laughs> I mean, out there and doing it. And she is it. still out there in in that purple. And, yeah, sweatsuit, and, and this is no question, right? Right, and this is no slight against her, but it's like if you put her resume versus Rast, it's like Rast just is going to dwarf her. Right. And now, whenever you start to get into the next generation, where you start to pull in the Durs and the yeah. the Galfon, how how can Liebert and Matisau and these people who were so important to the last twenty years ever stand a fucking chance? Yeah, there's chance? a shelf life. Yeah, sure. and your so, window is like three years, and, and the they only put is, one person in. Exactly. You just have to. I mean, the clear fix is to put in one more than one. Person. Has to. Uh, I think. I think at a bare minimum, we have to start at least segregating the different segments of the industry, right? And at least giving a nom per, right? And then there could just be years where it's empty, right? Like you know, if if once Savage gets in and Jack and a few others from like the TD side or whatever get in. And we just don't have someone to nominate that year. That's fine. Who right. is bringing in, in another poker player? Uh, the the in, the people who are inducted. So it's all it's it's basically ran and oper or operated and uh, voted on by the people who are already in the Hall of Fame. Right. Can they make a vote on adding different subsections? I imagine. Uh, so the first year, I think that there were five people nominated or uh, sorry inducted, and then every year after has been one. 
Right, because like if you look at other lists, there's lists for different subcategories of things, like a called a Forbes 30 under 30 right, type right, thing. Yeah. There's different subcategories of how you get. But even the 30 the under 30, it's not like one person. Right? No, that's what I'm saying. There's 30. There's, a, <laughs> yeah, there's right. a ton of them. Right, yeah. For good reason. Like yeah, there's yeah. just a bunch of different people doing a lot of stuff at that time that should be recognized. Hall of Fame stuff is very difficult because. What's it like for NFL, if you know? Uh, I think it's four or five. Right, but it's not one. No, no, no. It's definitely not one. Um, the the difficulty between poker and sports is that sports never evolved so much that you could look at the achievements of the past and say that guy would suck now. Even though, like, in my humble opinion, I don't think Babe Ruth would compete in modern day era. It doesn't fucking matter because he was so dominant in the era that he was born in that no one would ever slight him now, right? Uh, you know, you can look at a guy like Pete Rose and you could say, sure, the seventies were a bit watered down and everybody was on greenies and you know, whatever, but like his, his achievements stand on their own. A guy like Barry Bonds. Yeah. Right. We know he took steroids, but right. You Who know, cares? everybody was he's, he's <laughs> the greatest, greatest baseball player of all time. Uh, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. But the thing with poker is that all you have to go by is money and right. money inflates and tournament binds of you know what i mean money like, through caches money yeah through it's like you know for a long time like uh, ms rocky and madisau were probably on the short list of the top 50 mtt earners of all time they're just players in general and now you look back at that like uh-huh well i'm just saying if we're talking about money specifically yeah like they were for sure in the top 50 they might have been in the top 20 but then high rollers came in and now they're not even in the top 200 <laughs> now you can play a 250k where first is 4 million and then it's like there, there will be somebody at the World Series this year that potentially has zero in, in earnings in Hendemob and passes me. Yeah, And for I sure. have four and a half million. Yeah. Not over a career. Not right? difficult at all, right? Right. So it's just like, it's, it's not really the, necessarily the measuring stick anymore. You know, Bonomo has 55 million or something like that in lifetime earnings. So you don't have the no-brainers that you had for decades on end. And that's a problem for specifically people like Savage and Isai because... Though they're industry leaders and they helped really uh, move the needle a lot and, and progress the industry forward, they just are not going to get the same favor from the voting panel who's all players. Right. Hmm, it's an interesting thing of keeping it exclusive, but at the same time, including the people that need to be. Yeah. Something obviously has to change, though, because uh, the other issue that they're going to run into is that people are dying. Yeah. So there's only... Um, what 79 to 2000 or to 2022 so you're looking at like less than 100 members right and you know half of the maybe not half yeah, but like at least I mean, a quarter of them are gone i mean realistically there just has to be some kind of complete rethinking of the whole hall of fame thing right and if i can kind of uh context switch here and and you haven't even mentioned your your sponsor i know Okay, I was saying, but, it but, for I'll, the end. but I'll, okay, well, I'll bring that. I'll just bring it back around that that the thing that that is proximate in my mind right now is the WPT is actually honoring Isa. Yep. With a lifetime achievement award along with Vince Van Patten, mm-hmm. and they and they because they're not handcuffed by one per year or whatever, they can right? Just, they can just say, oh, here are these two people that we'd like to yeah. honor. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's. It's a really good thing because, like, he's high seventy-five years old. He's not going to be around forever, right? Right. And and his relevance. 
I don't know how you can say that his relevance is going to decrease because like everything that we do now. It's not that it decreases. It, it, it becomes less okay. in the forefront of anybody's exactly. mind. Right. And, and also like people are coming up to have no idea who Isai is. Right. Like Landon would have no idea if it wasn't for this podcast, probably. I mean, I'm still very blurry on like what he actually did. Yeah. Like we're never going to see Tough Fish get into the Hall of Fame. And that's a goddamn <laughs> shame. <laughs> so Isai was uh was working for um ibm in toronto and he was actually playing underground games with daniel and he was he was like isai is like more than anything else he loves poker he just loves he loves poker the way we do he is just a, a poker fanatic and he was playing in these underground games and he was playing on the current you know clients paradise or you know party whomever and he said oh do you know what we can do better than this and so he decided to, he had all, he literally got a bunch of um, Russian programmers together in, in a room in Toronto and came up with this client and that was PokerStars. And, and then they did the, the MTT thing. But what, I mean, and then PokerStars happened and then UGIA happened. And you know, the story about UGIA is when it happened, I'll never forget, it was October of 06, and a bunch of us were in the break room at the PokerStars office in the Isle of Man. And Isai walks in and like gets a banana out of the fruit basket, and he's sitting there eating his banana. He just kind of like looks around the room at four or five of us that are standing there. He says, Sue, do you think we should leave the United States? <laughs> and I was, you know, and, but that, that's, I mean, that was sort of how he processes things he just like vocalizes his his thoughts and his questions and you know we're all just like well fortunately that's well above our pay grade but um you know and then ultimately they made the decision to to stay um so that was that was one thing landon that he did that was huge but the thing that he did that was humongous was when black friday came and full tilt just evaporated and left, what was it, $300, $400 million yeah. worth of player funds. It's frozen. No, not frozen. Well, they didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a difference between frozen yeah, and non-existent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Isai basically said, okay, and he worked out a deal with the DOJ where PokerStars would acquire Full Tilt and make its players whole. And, and the original proposal was is that PokerStars would just, I mean, in three weeks, PokerStars reimbursed American players $115 million. And they, they basically had to have a negotiation with DOJ to like essentially turn on, re, turn on their, you know, their financial taps so they could move money back and forth. Mm -hmm. And they reached that agreement with the DOJ and literally within three weeks, we had paid back $115 million in U.S. player balances. And then they negotiated with the DOJ and said, look, how about if we buy Full Tilt and all of its assets and we will make all the uh, Full Tilt players whole? And the DOJ said, yes, but you can't, we're not going to let you reimburse them directly. We're going to force you to pass it through this third-party entity. And I don't remember what the name of that entity was. But that's why the Full Tilt players had to go and essentially send in a form to some third party 
and get reimbursed that way. And I, but basically, it was PokerStars' money that made the full tilt players whole. Mm. Uh, part of that was like negotiating down the, the bad actor clause too, right? No. It had nothing to do with that? It had zero to do. I thought, I well, thought it was yeah, like there, part yes. of good, partly goodwill to... It was, it was, yes. It said that if poker was regulated in the United States, mm -hmm. poker stars would have the right to apply okay. for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know the details. I'm going to actually stop talking about it before I say something that's just completely wildly false. Sure. But I think what... We all do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I try to avoid it. You know, I, I've done enough of it in the past. So I just try to avoid it in the future. <laughs> um, but I think what really happened that messed that up was is that there was never federal legislation right. to legalize poker. And that's what everybody thought was going to happen. But in mm -hmm. fact, what happened was it started coming state by state. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, they got a DOJ opinion that online poker was, in theory, legal if a state regulated. Right, right. And so that's why it's been state by state, and that's why it's been so slow and so painful, and we haven't had shared liquidity yet. Yeah, same thing with sports betting. Right, but that's yeah. why, and, and that's why the states could lock poker stars out, mm -hmm. and they would find ways to lock poker stars out, and that, by the way, is one of the reasons because, for instance, a lot of the California bills that came up found ways that essentially locked poker stars out. Like they had a bill that said, okay, you can come bring poker to California, but if you stayed in the United States after UIGEA, you have a five-year penalty box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And poker stars was like, yeah, not with our lobbying money are you going to pass that. Right, right, yeah. So, but I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that without Esai, think about it. The full tilt players crater three hundred and fifty million dollars or whatever the number was. Who knows what happens to online poker if if Stars was not in existence at that time frame? It, imagine if it was just full tilt, and this whole Ponzi scheme scheme comes collapsing down right at the hands of the government. Uh, and moreover, like you know, the we can get into the whole backstory, but that Australian payment right. system, whatever. Okay, right. So say it all comes crashing down, and now there is no options because Full Tilt doesn't get back up and running. Right. Stars is let's call it non-existent. Maybe Party swoops in and becomes the potential saving grace, but I doubt it due to the the way that they had already separated themselves right. from the United States market. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might have been there to capture the European market post fallout. We could be looking at a totally different landscape right now. Very much, yeah. Um, and, you know, I could see a, a, a world where, you know, maybe... I don't know. I, I don't know. Because there's such demand for it. I feel like something would have came up. Something similar to, like, what GG ultimately became or what ACR, ACR ultimately... Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's... It, but it was that's tough sledding back then. People don't remember that 2011 to 2013 time frame of like everybody who is trying to figure out how to operate in the gray, right? Like lock poker and all these other small sites. Doyle's room went down, became ACR eventually. Carbon poker. Carbon poker, yeah. Yeah, how did lock work out? Right, it was just like, <laughs> you know, ultimately a lot more seized money is what ultimately came of it. Uh, seized, you keep using this, you use this word, I don't think you know what this word means. You say, seized money. Well, because that's the way it was presented to us as the public, even though, you know, that wasn't the case. The was, lock poker money evaporated with, what's her name? Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Jennifer? Uh, 
Jim. I know who you're yeah, talking Jen about. Yeah, Jen somebody. Yeah, I just can't think of it right now. Look it up. Lock. Just put in the number name, the name Jen. Okay. And I didn't know they went illiquid. I thought they yes, got... Yes, they went totally yeah, illiquid. took off. Jen, Jen Larson. Yeah. My, yeah, my I, memory's I, not completely gone. I didn't know that. I, I knew they tried to operate after Black Friday had ended, and I thought that the DOJ... No, like, they, they, went upside, they went upside down with their deposits, and Jen Larson disappeared with the money. Hmm. This is basically just rug pull? Yep. Yeah. Rug pull, it's, it's the Theft. old version of rug pull. I mean, we see the same thing in crypto, more specifically the NFT space. Yeah. Like, every day there's a, a, a new Ponzi popping yeah. off. Yeah. Um, Bernie Madoff, you know, he came up with an idea. Like, people yeah. just copied it, right? I mean, he did okay for himself outside of the right jail time. Right up until he did. <laughs> yeah, right up until the jail time. Like, he was, yeah. he was kind of crushing it. I was in middle school back then. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you were, Landon. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I think, I think the what the online market would look like were it not for Esai is. Um, you know, it, it, it's really hard to say. And the fact is, is that here we are with the two big players, ACR and GG. Mm -hmm. And is GG, can you play in GG in the United States? No, no, they just got legalized in Toronto and they're trying to merge with WSOP as far as I understand. Okay, it. but I mean, everybody's playing on ACR. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying anything bad about Phil. I, don't, I mean, you know, presumably he's trying to run a legit business, but it's totally unregulated, right? Yeah. And, and that's exactly what you're seeing. Yeah. That if something bad happens, there is no recourse. Yeah, that's the thing that well, you know. I feel I feel pretty privileged to be in a spot where I don't have to play on these sites. I, I just have more action elsewhere. But uh, it, it is kind of terrifying in the sense that everybody's dabbling in these gray markets, whether it's the apps or ACR or whatever the case may be. Oh my be. god, the apps! Jesus, it, 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 <laughs> is it that bad though? I just mean in the sense it's of worse. Like, it's it's legitimately worse than what we went through between 2003 and 2010. I agree with the sentiments. I also think most when they're taking part in an un, unknowingly unregulated space that these things could happen. And Man. of course, it's terrifying, but I, you made the choice to play. I got to tell you, I, uh, this is the most spiteful thing I'll ever say, but I hope another event happens tomorrow so you can feel it. I because understand. what's going to happen is you're going to end up with six figures locked up and you're going to go, how can I be so dumb? Like nobody actually knows the risk that they're taking on, or at least they don't acknowledge it. You just think your money's safe because it's minute. been safe in the past. Wait a minute, Landon, you have six figures on an unregulated site. No. Take care. No, but plenty, plenty of people do. No, no, I, I 100% get that. Yeah. I also realize these things before bad things happen. Maybe. I guess my point is... At least a little bit, right? My, my point is, is, like, I, your ignorance is at least justified because you didn't go through the first event, but there are a lot of people who are just rinsing and repeating, not understanding that, like, it's just cyclical. I would never blame anything other than myself it's not about it's not about blame like, i would never get mad at an unregulated say if that's have happened it's like oh i'm i'm it's well, my it's on me too sure but who cares what it, what it really comes down to is uh it, it doesn't matter what your emotions are whenever the bad event happens what comes down to is how many people are acting responsibly knowing that the bad event can occur and it, i would few. i would say it's very few and yeah. the other thing is it's awful for poker terrible it you know i mean like it's the constant like if people's awareness of poker is they read on the front page of whatever news outlet, here we are looping back again, but whatever news outlet they're reading is some, you know, like the equivalent of full tilt, like evaporating $350 million, 
that's their awareness. You say, oh, yeah, well, I'm a poker player. Oh, man, like your money is probably going to evaporate tomorrow. Well, I think more so the narrative becomes online poker is rigged, which is something people already believe to be true. Like right. The but lay it's person. More than, but it's more than rigged. It's like the money is just going yeah, yeah, yeah. like to disappear into a Costa yeah. Rican uh, darkness. I, I guess that's what I'm saying is that they, they <laughs> into believe. Into the void. <laughs> they basically already believe online not to be safe, and that message just gets doubled down on. I, I will say that I don't necessarily think that – um, negative stories about poker are as bad as people believe them to be nationwide publicly but in instances where it's a major party like a major corporation I think that that's a massive stain on on us and does us no favors but like when the Postle thing happened and we got on Sports Center and Scott Van Pelt was talking about it I don't think that's a stain on poker right I think that that was a demonstration of self-policing Yes, and it got national coverage, which got poker again in front of people, uh, and I think that that's a good thing. Even the Robbie J. Lou thing, uh, where it became this human interest story of sorts. Right. I think these things, like though they have a negative undertone to them, actually bring way more eyeballs in than push people away. But the full tilt Black Friday, you know, things where it's a, a massive entity that is in and of itself almost a separate marketplace collapsing that's like ftx and crypto exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, ftx is the thing and that, that that's the mind. perfect example to look to because it's just reflected in the price of the coins right <laughs> ftx gets rug pulled coins drop you're saying so we know about investment now not not the best yeah hey, you can buy low yeah there's always hope there's always opium or when um you know when usdc actually depegged right Right, that was a major event. And right? by the way, I have a friend because it depegged to about ninety cents. Yeah, I have a friend who basically like watched and said, "Oh, this is obviously this is too big to fail. Mm -hmm. They cannot let um, Silicon Valley Bank go under." Yeah, and so he ran out and just like bought infinite USDC at ninety cents, and then waited over the weekend. Yeah, and then it. Um, Promptly, you know, when it's, whenever the FDIC said, yeah, or not FDIC, but um, whoever it was, SEC, that yeah. we're going to make sure that the bank is okay. Yeah, yeah. I, it was FDIC. We're going to make sure that the bank is okay. And, you know, USDC promptly repegged, mm -hmm. and he made 11% on infinite money over the weekend. Yeah, that was good for him on that situation. Uh, shortly prior to that, though, um, was it you... It wasn't Tether, but it was one of the other stables. Depegged and went to zero. The one that was attached to Luna. Yes. Um, yeah. I can't remember what but it was. But USCC was in a very different place. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But I think that there were a lot of people who, when that depegged, were thinking the same thing. Like, oh, 80 cents on the dollar, I can make infinite when this repegs. Yeah. And then it went to 70, and then 60, and then down to 30, and eventually zero. Um, this death spiral. Yeah. Scary. Dangerous place. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, just to, just to put a bow on that, I just want to give a big shout out to Adam Pliska and all the people at WPT for stepping up and saying, yeah, Isai, Isai is the man. And everything that we're doing right now may not happen. It's actually a big tip of the cap, too, because Isai was a competitor. WPT was initially, uh, initially aligned with Party. Yes, and actually, PokerStars, we did our first um, PCA our first two PCAs, three PCAs as mm -hmm. WPT events. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. We had, we had Linda Johnson, um, who I just saw walking through the poker room at the World Series. But yes, Linda came uh, on the cruise. And then the first one that we did at the Atlantis in 05, 
were WPT events. Okay, and then it became EPT thereafter? And then it became, yeah, and then... But it was always stars. It was always stars. Okay. But yeah, we, and basically, I don't know all the details, I wasn't involved, but basically, stars and WPT got a divorce. Mm -hmm. I think because of the party relationship. Sure, sure. And, um, yeah, and and as a matter of fact, I mean, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again, is that when Mike Sexton was on the cruise with us, like he was the spokesman for party poker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, and here was, here he was doing this poker stars event and every single interview I saw public and private, no matter what he said, he was always super complimentary about poker stars and the job that we had. Yeah. And, and here he was the, the party poker spokesman. And, and like the last day I just happened to bump into him and I thanked him for being so gracious and complimentary about poker stars. You know, we were the, you know, bloody competitors. Right, right, yeah. And he said, Lee, it's a big pie. There's enough for everybody to eat. Yeah, that was a, that was a great way to approach things, especially back then where, you know, the money was really infinite. And, and well, but I mean, Mike just lived in a world of, of plenty. Yeah. And that's, you know, which is, and you and I have talked about this before, about living in a, in a world of paucity or living in a world of plenty. And mm-hmm. Mike lived in a world of plenty. He said, man, this is a big pie. Here. Yeah. And it's smart, too. You can't capture everybody. Right. You know? You look at, like, the high-stakes scene, and there are some certain people who, like, they spend all of their time trying to get others, like, shut out of the games and, you know, basically policing situations, thinking that they're creating more opportunity and more uh more like bounty for themselves you can't play all the games when three or four games are running simultaneous to one another it's because there's demand and if you just try to get those other games shut down so that you can funnel more people your way you're going to be the one that ends up losing like your game will die yeah you know there will be an uprising at some point yeah but i mean to the original point i mean i think as you say isai wasn't up and i mean after oh five oh six whichever it was Isai, you know, PokerStars and WPT were really were competitors. Yeah. I mean, WPT was in the States and EPT was in Europe. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we did, we did up until Black Friday, we had the U.S. Poker Tour. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they really were competitors. And I think that the WPT and Pliska and all those in that whole team acknowledging Isai as, you know, one of the Mount Rushmore guys right. of the poker world right. is, is huge. And I, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the ones on the short list that I hope at some point does get the uh, the induction into the hall. I, you know, I, I I don't know. I've spoken about my opinion a few times about the Hall of Fame. Uh, the only thing that I'm certain of is that something needs to kind of give, uh, and the floodgates need to open a little bit. You know, maybe a crack in the dam. You don't necessarily have to break it, but if we start letting in, you know, a half dozen people for the next call it ten years. You're you gonna do just fine. You won't have any losers in it. No, of course not. Of course not. Um, you did mention the WPT, so I'd be remiss to not mention our sponsor for the WSOP this summer, WPT Global. We are giving away a three hundred and thirty dollar Grand Slam ticket every day this week. All you have to do is head over to the Only Friends Podcast Twitter account, follow us, and comment below on the thread with your username and user ID. A winner will be selected each day at random. Uh, you can obviously only enter once, but once you enter that thread, you will be entered for every day thereafter. Lee, it's been a pleasure. Oh, I just so appreciate being on here. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Just 
really enjoy it. And again, thank you for everything you do for poker. You know, Jason Somerville once said that nobody loves poker more than, than Lee Jones. Does. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, I it might be true. And I just like really appreciate you guys and everything you do for the game. So wise, wise word from Jason. Uh, are you here for the, the duration of the oh, series? I have a, IRL. Okay. No, I, I, I'm, out of here, I'm out of here tomorrow, but I will be back next month actually for Eastside's induction. Awesome. Dinner. Okay. So, yeah. Let's touch base again. Maybe we'll get you guys back on the, the show. We can enjoy that. further this conversation a little bit. Before we get out of here, yep. give a quick shout out to Corgasm Day 2 of the 1500 Six Let's Max. Right. And my boy Leonard, August with 12 left in the 10K stud. Let's go. 12K stud? 10K stud. 10K stud? 12 left. 12 left. That's amazing. God bless, man. Let's go. Pray for bro old grandpa game <laughs> on that note we are out of here we will be back tomorrow 10 30 every day get it popping out there today later what else do we have to do peace everybody.